welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And if you are tracking with us live, then today kicks off Mindset Week. So I'm going to tell you first um, just how I ended up getting to our guest today. And, you know, I never saw myself as a stay-at-home mom, you guys, growing up for so many reasons. However, after I had Noah, who is my firstborn, he's eight now, that just really quickly changed. And if you have, like, followed this podcast, you know... You know, I couldn't really quit my teaching job after he was born because we needed my income. And then our second was born and I really wanted to stay home, but we had just upgraded our life so much that it just wasn't an option. And it actually wasn't until I was pregnant with our third that we had a complete like wake up call to stop being freaking dumb with money so that we could start making some choices that we actually wanted to make instead of being, you know, completely limited by what we could afford. And all of that to say... After I had my third, my gram, I I actually didn't go back to work. And I will say that it was super exciting because I had been just dying for for the chance to be a stay-at-home mom. But I quickly realized that I had really, really romanticized staying home and what I thought that it was going to look like. And I mean, I'm a pretty goal-oriented person. Like I thrive on deadlines and all of a sudden there was just no structure to my days. You know, no one was giving me a deadline. There's not any like literal uh, on paper goals to work towards. I mean, you're raising your kids, but you know what I mean. And if you've transitioned from working full time to being a stay at home mom, you totally know what I'm talking about. So I just realized really quick that I needed some structure in my day and some type of plan to keep up with everything because my home was my job now and raising my babies was kind of my mission, right? And I needed to treat it like one. Well, did y'all know? that homemaking used to be a class they would have in schools. I mean, if you're like in your 30s and older, we used to have like home ec class, but they've completely gotten rid of that now, which kind of sucks because I've learned that there is actually a really uh, beautiful art to having things flow well in your home for everyone who lives there. So really quickly, I actually found our guest today a couple years ago. Her name is Kendra Hennessy, and her online course is called Homemaker-ish You, and it's all about modern-day homemaking, and it's amazing. And between her course and Allie's Uncluttered Home course, man, (laughs) I was decluttering and making schedules for my house left and right, and it just, you guys, it just gave me some structure and a sense of direction for my home that I didn't really know how to do it before, and honestly... I don't know, you kind of feel like it should just be innate. Like you should just know how to do all of the things and it all flow really well. Well, that maybe it comes totally natural to you. It didn't come natural to me. So I just started to learn from other moms who had kind of went before me and that created things that I was able to consume so that I could really start to work out a good rhythm and a routine and just mindset around finally being a stay-at-home mom and now a working mom again. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the founder and CEO of A Mother Like a Boss and a mentor of mine, Kendra Hennessy. Hey, Kendra, welcome to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. Thanks for being on. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited that you're here also. Can you just, um, for anyone who does not know you, can you just introduce yourself, introduce your business, um, you know, what you're passionate about, why you kind of do what you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kendra Hennessy, and I am the founder and CEO of Mother Like a Boss. I'm also the podcast host of the same name, the Mother Like a Boss podcast. And uh, very simply, I put reluctant homemakers back in the driver's seat of motherhood. Um, And we really strive to do that through realistic routines and practical mindset shifts, among many other things. Um, But it's really my, my purpose, my drive, my passion to change the narrative about motherhood. Um, so that we become the heroes of our own stories and not the victims of our circumstances, which people tend to be, and um, mothers especially, because we've been fed a narrative, we've been conditioned to believe certain things about ourselves and about what motherhood is and is not supposed to be. So I love being able to change that narrative and let moms know like, hey, you can get back in the driver's seat of your own life, and here's how you can do that. So that's really what I do professionally. Uh, personally, I have two children. I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 7-year-old son. Um, my husband and I and our children live in upstate New York, where right now it is gorgeous. Thank God, because after a long winter and quarantine, <laughs> I'm so glad it's finally nice out. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a Girl Scout co-leader, and I basically just dedicate a lot of my time to my business and spending time with my family. That's I, I get asked a lot about hobbies. And I'm always like, um, watching TV. That's about it. Cause right. I just like to spend time on my business and with my family. That's awesome. I know we literally, my boys have been out there for like five hours playing mm-hmm. with our slide and what it's like 68 and sunny here. So it's, it's amazing. Um, so homemaking is still a thing. Um, I know that you have a course, which is homemaker issue, which I have. And you know, it's this whole modern day homemaking, like just because it ain't the 50s does not mean that we don't have to actually still take care of our home. And so I just love your mission and your vision. And I know now, especially what this episode is really going to be kind of honing in on is a lot of that mindset work that mothers have to do, because there's just so much um, guilt out there. I think there's so much just issues that we struggle with daily. And so when we talk about like um, keeping kind of our house or just whatever, I know a big topic is um, that you talk about is kind of having momentum and creating some kind of momentum over finding the motivation to like clean your toilets. So can you speak into that a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I. It's funny. I grew up and always thought that I was a motivated person. Like I always, I I was one of those like a straight A student and not necessarily because I was always the smartest. I just like really, really wanted to get straight A's. So I was like really motivated to, to study and stuff. And what I found as I got older was I wasn't necessarily motivated to do things. Um, I actually, the the feeling of motivation came oftentimes from the feeling of praise. So I was only really motivated to do things if I knew that there was a reward for it afterward, which mm. doesn't always work because then you get older and no one's giving you a cookie for right. doing things. <laughs> no one's giving you like a gold star or like a, you know, with my dad, it would be like, oh, if you got straight A's, we'd go like do something fun, which in hindsight was like the worst thing to do for someone like me. But uh, what I found was I, I started to feel as I got to be an adult and when I started to have children, I actually started to feel the opposite and I felt very lazy because I wasn't motivated to do all of these things that I felt needed to be done. And I also started my business when I was pregnant with my daughter at, uh, I was 22 years old. And um, there was so much to do trying to run a business, start a business with no business experience and then having a baby. And I felt like there was more to do and I wasn't motivated to do it, which then caused a lot of these feelings of guilt 
laziness of uh, being unworthy of not feeling like enough. And uh, through the years, what, what I've come to realize is that motivation is fleeting. Motivation is an emotion. It's something that we feel in the moment, and it's usually extrinsically linked. So it's it's extra it's linked to something else. It's linked to something that we're getting, and we can have fleeting moments of motivation. I mean, we all know how that feels when you sometimes you just wake up in the morning and you're just like ready to do all the things. You're like, I'm I'm going to do it, but many days we're not, and many days we're not going to be motivated to do the crap we don't want to do. It's just. That's just the way that it is. And so if we're basing our entire life and our entire productivity on emotion, then we're basically saying, if I don't feel the right emotion, then I can't get things done. And what happens then is we start that cycle of, then I didn't get things done, which means that I'm not productive, which means I'm lazy, which means I'm not a good mom, which means I'm not as good as other people. And we keep going through that cycle. So instead, I love the idea of momentum. Because momentum means that you can start doing something small without having the big picture and end result in mind. You don't have to worry about what the end is. You just have to worry about what the beginning is. Motivation tends to rely on this need for the outcome. Like I have to be motivated to do the thing because the outcome is what I'm looking for. I have to be motivated to clean my house because I want a clean house. I want the whole house to be clean. By the end of the day, I want it to be beautiful and sparkling. and, And so I have to be motivated to do that. But instead, momentum says, well, what if I just did something for five minutes, though? I don't really want to do anything, but what if I just got started with five minutes? What's fascinating to me still is that this still works on me, and I it's like every time it happens, I'm like... Oh, I just went and got myself momentumed. Like I just I just <laughs> did it. I did it all over again. Like I teach it. You would think I would like no, hey, you know, uh you're you say you don't want to do stuff, but I'm telling you Kendra, you just do five things, you're going to end up doing more. Right. And that's what happens is that um you know, I used a couple of weeks ago as an example. I got up and I just didn't feel like doing stuff. I I just didn't. I couldn't even tell you what stuff it was. I just didn't feel like doing stuff. And what I said to myself was, though, if you can get up and just take a shower, it, it will just help the day go by. Even if all you do is get in your pajamas and go sit on the couch all day, fine. I'm giving you the grace to do that, Kendra, but just take a shower because you always feel better when you take a shower anyway. You can listen to your favorite podcast. Well, then I took a shower and then it was kind of like, well, I mean, I took a shower. I might as well like put some makeup on. I mean, I'm already, my face is clean, so I should probably do that. Well, I mean, since my face is clean and like I put on makeup, I should probably like go on Instagram and do a fun story. Well, now that I've done that, well, now that I, and that's what momentum is. I didn't have an end result in mind and I didn't have to rely on my emotion because what my emotion told me when I woke up was go back to bed. You don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. But instead I just gave myself that one teeny tiny push, just like you would with a snowball. You get it started. It's hard in the beginning, but once you get going, it's much easier. So that's a very long-winded answer to that. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, I think it's great. And I was, um, you know, I think and, and when you think of just even your home, um, I mean, that can be applied to so much. Oh, my goodness. Um, but even just like with your home, I, I've i learned that I <laughs> – and maybe you can coach me on how to, um, how to help my children with this. But I've learned like I know how to clean up. I am really horrible at keeping someplace clean. And that is two different things I'm learning. <laughs> like there's a whole difference in like having rhythms and um, like you said, like that just that momentum of like some consistency of something and like making my my entire family clean up the house super quick. Do you know right. what I mean? Like yes, yeah, and that that comes up for moms a lot too because also 
we're very, many of us are very good at the actual like day-to-day action items that we're supposed to do. But when we look at our homes, because we're looking at it like through the lens usually of like what it's supposed to be, not what it is. It's like, well, why is it not staying clean? Why is it not? Why are my kids not helping? And that's, I mean, that's like a, a very long answer, but a lot of times it's because we are so focused on this, like, well, my, my children need to help, but I don't know how to get them to help. And then it's just easier for me to do it. So I'm going to do it, but I can't do it all the time. So I'm exhausted. So instead of just, instead of teaching anyone else how to help me instead of kind of like using, teaching other people momentum. Basically, that's what I've tried to do with my own kids is like teach them the same ideas of momentum. Like, I know you don't want to clean your whole room, but what if we just do five minutes and see what happens? Why don't we do, why don't we put a timer on for five minutes and see how much you can get done in five minutes? That's teaching that momentum versus teaching them to be motivated to do stuff that they don't really want to do because it doesn't, I mean, I'm a 36 year old woman. Ain't no one going to motivate me to do stuff I don't want to do. Like I'm not, they're not, there's no words they could use that are going to make me want to do it. So instead I would rather do that timer thing or say, what could I, what could I get done? So, um, kind of to answer your question, I think a lot of times it's how can we pass on that to our children? Um, how could we pass on that idea of, I know you don't really want to do it right now, but what could we do right now that would make us feel accomplished? That would make us feel better. That would make us feel closer to the outcome that we're looking for. Instead of looking at all of the things we have to do, like cleaning up your whole room. Oh, it's like so hard. There's so many, so many toys to clean up. But when we just say, what about five minutes? Let's make it a race. Then it becomes a game and kids like that. And I think it um, just takes away that negative um, emotion of, uh, or connotation, I guess, of just like chores and Mm -hmm. like cleaning. And because that's the thing, I'm like, oh, I hate cleaning. But then I'm like, how how can I make this fun for my children? Because I hate when it's like, okay, I'm like telling, you know, they're all old enough to clean except for my almost two-year-old. He can kind of, but he just makes more of a mess, I feel like. Exactly. But you know what I mean? Like he can put a ball in, in a back in the in back in the basket. But so, but we what we've started to do, um, we do we call them song cleans. We're literally like I have four, so three of them really can clean. And they all get to pick like their favorite song, which is like three minutes or something. Sure. And we just clean like the whole time that their song is on. And they love the song, they're singing, they're playing or whatever, you know. Um, so that has been, I feel like, helpful for me to just change that mindset of like, you know, chores don't have to be this negative thing. It's just something you have to do. So let's not hate every second of it every single day. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that's the reason I don't love the word chore because the word chore, the definition is something you don't like to do. That's what a chore is. It's like a, it's a thing that you don't really like to do that has to be done. And instead, I like, I don't want my children to see picking things up in the house or making their, even if we didn't look at the action, but we looked at the outcome, like I don't want them to see making their space safe and clean and happy and free of stuff. I don't want them to see that as a negative. I want them to see it as a positive that, Hey, when we have a space that is clean, it's, better. It's so much better for us because we enjoy it. Or I even think about this from a health standpoint that I have a a son who has pretty severe asthma and eczema and food allergies. And then my husband has really bad asthma and my daughter has allergies. And I always think, you know, guys, if we live in a cluttered home, that's more dust. And you guys know how it feels to have dust around when you're trying to breathe and you know, your, your breathing is off. It's not fun, right? 
And why don't we, wouldn't it be better to have a house that like felt fresh when we, when we were breathing and then you'd have to do less breathing treatments and stuff. It's more of the, what am I creating in my space? You know, and, and with kids, with toys, um, that tends to happen a lot because we, they want all the toys, you know, they're just, they want them all. Um, but instead saying like, well, but when you have so many toys, it's actually hard to find the ones you want when you want them. And so it's more about shifting what the outcome actually is instead of saying, well, we just need to clean up because that's just the way it is. Because because I said so, which right. is a really easy thing to go to. And I've done it so many times. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that to be my answer. But instead of having that be the answer, like what is the outcome that we're actually looking for? And that works for kids. And then it works for us as well, um, because it helps us to build that momentum instead of sitting around waiting for like a cheerleader to come and be our cheerleader the entire time, because that's just not how life works. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's just it also just makes your life so much easier. Like it's so much easier to like have my boys be like, okay, like we're doing a 10-minute clean. Or sometimes we'll literally say, I'm like, all right, everybody find 20 things to put away. And it's just like you don't get to this um this point of just disaster. If you can continue to do that each day and you can kind of like, I mean, everybody really needs to be involved in it, your kids, your husband, you know, whatever. Um, so I just feel like it also keeps you like able to freaking live your life and not live in like a disaster home, you know? Um, and I feel like the problem and the problem that I have, so, uh, between my husband and I, we joke around, I'm like, he's like, okay, do you need me to do like my clean really quickly before you do your clean? Because his clean is he can clean our entire house in yeah. five minutes. Mm-hmm. I can clean our kitchen counters in about an hour. Right. <laughs> I'm like so detailed. So he goes through and cleans like the basic clean and then I go through. So I know that perfectionism is something that you talk about a lot. I would love to just step into that and lead into that conversation because I mean, perfectionism is not even clear or not even a thing, really. It's like made up. <laughs> yeah, it is because perfection is an illusion. It's not a real thing. There is no, there's no such thing as perfection because it changes based on the person. Like it changes based on who's looking at it through the lens. It also changes moment to moment because what was perfect to me 20 years ago is very different than what's perfect to me. If you thought about like, if you had asked me when I was 15, what my perfect husband would be in the future, perfect uh, spouse, I would have said something very right. different than I would say right now. <laughs> you know, I would have been like, um, his name is Jonathan Taylor Thomas or Taylor Hansen. And I like I would have said all these ridiculous things. Um, so perfect changes depending on the lens that we're looking at it through and the moments that we're living. And again, it's emotion-based. And perfection is also based a lot in conditioning because many of us are conditioned, especially women. We're conditioned to believe that it's our job to live up to a certain standard. So it's the reason that we have um, body image issues and that we have uh, issues in, in motherhood and feeling like we're not good enough and worthiness issues much more than men. Not to say that men don't, but much more than men because we have generations, and I know that you talk a lot about you know generational stuff and legacy and all that here, um, it's, gener it's passed down. And it's a lot of times it's, we don't realize we're doing it. It's, it's subconscious, but we're passing down the ideals that girls and women um, are less important and if they're not perfect. And so if what you're doing is not perfect, then you're not worthy enough. And what I find with perfectionism in motherhood is that it, it often is very highly linked to procrastination. 
and the two kind of drive each other. Um, like I've said before, if if uh, perfectionism was a car, uh, procrastinate or I'm sorry, if procrastination was a car, perfectionism would be the driver because perfectionism drives that need to procrastinate because it comes into if I can't do it perfectly, why do it at all? So I'll put it off to a later time when I can do it perfectly, but I can't give my perfect energy to this right now and I won't be able to do it all. So I'm just not going to do any of it. I'm just not going to do any. I'm not even going to start because then it won't be perfect. And then I'll be reminded that I'm not perfect. That's really, we're not really worried about, perfectionism isn't really about us being perfect. It's the fear of being seen as imperfect. Like we don't want to be seen as being imperfect beings and we don't want to be seen as making mistakes and not knowing what we're doing. And perfectionism is a great mask to wear around um, because then people don't have to see us. They don't have to see us for who we are. They don't have to see our mistakes. They don't have to see our quote unquote failures. And so perfectionism is this mask that I see a lot of women wear and they wear it as a badge of honor. And they don't realize that in many ways it's it's tearing them down. It's tearing down their uh, their worth every day. It's tearing down their soul because they are so they are so badly wanting to showcase something that isn't real to the world because they're so afraid of the world seeing what's inside of them. I was actually about to ask you, um, like, why do we even struggle? Like, I feel like everyone can say right? Like perfectionism is not even attainable, but we all, well, we all struggle with it on some yeah, level. And they exactly it for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of, and I do think everyone is different. So different people have different reasons for that. Um, some people grew up in a house with parents that expected a lot of them. So it could be expectation-based. Mm-hmm. Perfectionism could be that. Perfectionism, it could also go the opposite way. They might have had parents that didn't give a darn, that just didn't care at all. And so now they're trying to almost impress parents who never really cared in the first place, who never really gave them that praise. Um, and then there's there's a lot of other reasons too. Some people develop that later in life that they didn't have early on. We also develop perfectionism around things, um, like, di- like different things. For me, I'd say, you know, I'm not really a perfectionist about my house because I owned a house cleaning business for 11 years. And so I know that like good enough is good enough for me. And I know that I can clean quickly. And I know that I have the tools at at my disposal, both physical and mental. So that's, I don't need to be perfectionist about that because I feel worthy enough in that area. Right. Mm -hmm. But in my business, there are times where I find myself being really perfectionist in, in small ways because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that what if I put this out and it's not good enough and then the world sees it and then they they hate me for it or they p- point out my mistakes or something like that. So what then I what I get to do is then procrastinate so then I don't even have to try. And it's this great way to kind of like duck out, just like put your hands go, boop, nope, I'm just not going to do anything. Um and then I don't have to worry about being judged. Um because that's I mean really that's perfectionism. It's just our fear of being judged. We don't want to be judged for not being perfect. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I can see that in so many areas of my life. I am like the farthest thing from a perfectionist, but I'm also a perfectionist, like you said, in some areas. My, like I'm like I'm like a organized mess kind of person. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you're just I'm just like going through my mind as you're talking about all of this. Another thing I think that um, goes along with this whole perfectionism thing is that we feel like we can do it all. Um, and and what I mean by that, I remember um, I have four kids. My one of my best friends has five kids, and 
I remember she asked her grandma or somebody who had like 10 kids, you know, and was like, how did you do it? Like, how did you have 10 children? You know, like we love, like we, we love having a big family, whatever. Um, and, and her grandma, whoever looked at her, like, because we, there was literally no expectation. <laughs> like we yeah. didn't have club sports and, you know, play dates and we didn't have like all of the, you know, all, matching clothes. Like we had no, nothing. Y'all went out and played in a Creek and I just mm-hmm. fed you three times a day. Do you know what I mean? And so I feel like we have taken on, um, you know, this, you gotta be the quote unquote, like stay at home homemaker, um, you know, that, that it was in the forties, fifties, whether or not you work out of the home or in the home, and then you have to do, you know, whatever. And so I remember when we, back in this past fall, we had three foster babies along. So we had seven children total. Mm -hmm. And I also was launching my business at that point. It was a great timing. Um, but I was like really overwhelmed. And my mom is like, Stephanie, what is, I'm like, I just, I, why can I not do this? She's like, because you have seven children. You are under six, there's six of them that are under five in your home and you're launching. She's like, I think you're re- getting really offended that you just can't do it all. <laughs> like it's really yes. offending you. <laughs> and so I think that that exactly what you're talking about. It's like, wait a second. Why? <laughs> why can I not do this? Yeah. And the, the, you touched on something perfect, which is the expectation, like the expectations that we have on us now are ridiculous. And we also have done this to ourselves. Like we, we have to take responsibility for this. When I say, it's funny when I say like society has said, but I'm like, Hey y'all, we're society. Like we are society. We're, we are contributing to that. And so something that I've really been trying to do for myself is asking, how am I contributing to this narrative? And am I contributing to that? And, and how can I change that? Um, and learn from, learn from it so that I don't perpetuate it. And that's one of the reasons that I started Mother Like a Boss, because I was like, I don't want to continue to perpetuate this narrative that two different sides. I didn't want to perpetuate the perfectionism. This, you have to be busy all the time. You have to be doing stuff. If, if your kids aren't involved in all the things, you're a bad mom. They won't be well-rounded. You have to keep Mm -hmm. up with the Joneses. And then on the flip side, I also didn't want to perpetuate the other side of that, which is this hot mess mom culture of everything has to be a crap show all the time. Motherhood has to be draining and a burden and overwhelming, and you shouldn't take care of yourself. I didn't want to perpetuate either of those. And, um, and so I had to look into the expectations that I was putting on myself and that I was allowing others to put onto me because someone else's expectation of you is really not your concern unless you sign up for it. Unless you say, yes, that expectation you have of me, I am signing that contract and I am saying, I will meet whatever expectations you have. It's like when you get a job. If you get a job and the person says, I need you to do X, Y, Z as your job um, description, you decide to take that job and do X, Y, and Z. You sign up for that. But many times we're we're pretending that we signed contracts with expectations from our parents, from our you know people at school, from our friends, from our spouses. You didn't sign up for that. Right. You, didn't, you don't have to live up to that if you don't want to. You get to say no right now if you want to. But that goes into a whole other mindset of like setting boundaries and having to say no and how women don't like to say no because they want to be nice. But really, yeah, the can you imagine like the, an outsider like looking in and saying like she has seven children right now that she's trying to take care of 
all under the age of like six or seven right. and and start a business and do all of the myriad of things that a normal human being has to get done every single day. Even if even if they had no children, they'd have to do it. Then you add all those kids in the mix. And then it's like, oh my, I just like don't know why I can't get it all done. <laughs> like, it, but that's what we're, we feel like we're supposed to. I mean, right. it's not it's not shocking that you felt that way because of course you would feel that way. We all think like, I just don't know why I can't do it all. <laughs> it's it's maddening. It is. Well, and you know what I think it was. I, what I think it was. Um, just as I've like reflected on that time, we we don't have those kids in our home anymore. But I feel like it was this sense of needing to, and this is super like subconscious, but like this this um first of all, we did foster. We signed up for foster care when I was like, I was pregnant with my fourth. So like mm-hmm. just do the crazy card, right? Um, people thinking like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> like we had four kids very close together and then signed up to be foster parents. So there was already some judgment on us. Um, I mean, we literally went through all of the training without ever telling anyone that we mm-hmm. were doing this because we're like, y'all aren't going to change our mind. It is what it is. Like we're convicted. You're not. That's fine. Um, and so I felt like, especially when we took on the three, which that's a whole story in of itself, it was like, I felt the need to prove that I could still handle my life while being a foster parent. I needed to still be able to get my kids to their games and, you know, they needed to have matching socks and like whatever. And it's like, because if I didn't, if I didn't put on this, um, you know, whatever that I could handle it all, then that means like foster care is not a good thing or like I wasn't able to handle it, whatever. Then there's a whole identity thing wrapped up in that. So you know, stepping back, you sound like ridiculous saying like, why can't I do it all with seven children? Um, but it is, it's like a, it's a real heart thing that you have to go through. I feel like. Yeah. And it, it totally goes into just the way that women are conditioned in our society, the way mom, you know, moms are. And again, not to say that dads don't feel pressure or any of that stuff. I have conversations with my husband a lot about the different pressures that that men feel and that that husbands feel and that fathers feel, uh, but they're different. And they're not woven into the fabric of our society the way that they are for women, the way that, you know, mom guilt just rolls right off your tongue because it's so prevalent. It's like they, it's just you say mom guilt to a mom and they instantly know what you're talking about. Yep. You say dad guilt and like most I'm dads weird. are going to be like, wait, like, like what? Like, did I feel guilty today? Or I don't know what you're talking about. Mom guilt, it's like pervasive. They just know what it is. And that's because we've just been conditioned to believe that our needs are less important than the needs of literally every other human on the face of the earth. It's so true. And I also feel like um, you said this at one point, and I feel like I have repeated it to myself and I have repeated it to my group, I think. Um, but you had said at one point, Um, It's about just filling your cup. And basically, like, you get to fill your cup, not necessarily so you can fill it, like, pour it into other people, but because you're worthy of having a full cup, chick. Yeah. (laughs) That is the thing. Yeah, because the way that we sell self-care to women is a little, especially moms, too, um, is – very disturbing to me in some ways. I hate to use that word. This seems a little dramatic, but no, yep. it's it's a little disturbing because what we basically say to to women is, hey, fill your cup so you can pour to others. So what that entails is you're not really worthy of being full unless you're giving to others. If you're going to give to others, then you're all right. I'll come over and I'll pour in your cup. But if you're not going to give that stuff to other people, 
I'm not, you're really not deserving of that, you know? And we're really the only group of people that are told that because again, that's not something that men are told. And it's not something we would tell our children. You know, we wouldn't say like, hey, you know, you want to get enough sleep and you want to brush your teeth and you want to eat well and we want to drink enough water and we want to, you know, be active and and we want to meditate. We want to do all these things because we want to be able to like be nice to our friends, right? It's like, wait, why do those two have anything to do with each other? Like I, we, why are we linking those two? Now, it is true that when you are full, you can give to others. But the worthiness part is I'm worthy of having a full cup no matter what, no matter what I do. And the fact that I can give more to my family, to my home, to my spouse, to my children, that is secondary to that because I'm going to have to take care of my kids no matter what. Like whether I feel good or I don't feel good, I still have to take care of my children. I signed up for that as a mom. So filling my cup up really should be about me. It should be about me saying when I'm full, I feel good and I feel more worthy. And when you start doing that over time, then it becomes something that you've conditioned yourself to do. Like, hey, I like to do things for myself because I'm a worthy human being. And then a byproduct of that is as I become more, as I feel more worthy as a human, I also am able to pass that down to my children, to my marriage, but it's a byproduct of that. And I fully realize that there are a lot of people who don't agree with that, that there are a lot of moms out there and there are a lot of um, mom experts who don't agree. And they're all about like everything in your life should center around your children and it's just not the way that I focus my attention. Um, my children are extremely important to me. They're my life, really. But I'm also extremely important to me because I was a human for 23 years before I gave birth. And I'll be a human when they're – I'll still be that human when they grow up and they move on and they have their own families. I'll still be their mother, but I'll still be that human being. And I, I am the only person that will be with me from the moment I took my first breath to the last breath I take. I'm the only human that will be with me the entire time. So shouldn't I treat that human really well? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think it's just this whole conversation, I feel like gets me fired up a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I think that there is a difference in, and these words may be like interchangeable or whatever. Somebody may have different terms for them, but there is a difference in my mind between self-sacrifice and self-denial. So in in my like mind, um, self-denial is like a choice. Okay. So when we took on those three foster children or foster, just foster care in general, it's my choice that now my time is divided. It's my choice now that my schedule is not mine. It's my choice that we don't really have privacy because we literally have caseworkers at my house twice a week. Mm-hmm. Just pop them in. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, and, and my kids don't get all of my attention and whatever, they have to wait. And so there's a difference in like just self-denial or maybe I, I'm choosing like this is not a season that I can go and do X, Y, and Z because of this mission. Self-sacrifice where you're just laying yourself down to be just like, like, you, like almost subhuman um, mm-hmm. is totally different. Where you are just like, what is it? Put yourself on fire to keep someone else warm, kind of yeah. thing. And so there's a difference there. And I feel like when you're talking about just other um, mom experts or whatever, I feel like there's this, they're just using the same word. And that's what like aggravates me because I'm like, no, like you don't, 
you can like motherhood servitude. That's all we, you know, we just give, give and give and give, and that's fine. And we've chosen that and whatever, but you don't have to like completely lose yourself. And I, this is totally different conversation we don't need to get into. But I also think that when, you know, marriages, like later on down the road, when you become an empty nester, if your sole identity is your children, like what, what do you do when you're empty nested? And I think that causes a lot of issues. I mean, there's a lot of studies that show that's a big reason for like separations or whatever later on. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there's a difference there. (laughs) Amen. I, uh, I absolutely, I agree with everything. I love that you made the distinction between the self-sacrifice and self-denial. That is so true. Um, because yeah, we, listen, motherhood is servitude. Parenthood is servitude. You know, when you, when people become parents and choose to raise their, their children and choose or choose to raise other people's children, when you, when you take on that choice, then yeah, you are choosing, you're choosing that, uh, you're going to have to be up more during the night. Maybe you're going to get less sleep. Maybe you're not going to be able to do as many things as you used to. Uh, you're going to, your money is going to be spent on other things. That's the choice that you make, but constantly martyring yourself for that is not the answer. Mm -hmm. There is a, you are absolutely correct that there is a difference between saying, I have made a choice to raise these children and, uh, and the things that I do are a choice. And then saying, um, that the sacrifice many times I find gives, takes away people's personal responsibility. So that's what martyrdom is. Like you're, you're taking away all personal responsibility and saying, I'm sacrificing, I am suffering for you. Well, that puts the responsibility on the person you're suffering for, because basically what it's saying is like, my happiness can't happen because I have to make you happy. And that is a, that's a big issue for me and why I speak out a lot about you know mothers need to learn to make themselves happy and they need to nurture their children to understand how to make themselves happy. Like my job is not to make my children happy. My job is to foster a community and an environment that nurtures them so that they can learn how to make themselves happy. So that they learn how to seek happiness through their life, not to rely on other people to be like, you know, like the court jesters of their life. And I, I'm sorry, but I feel like a lot of mothers right now, a lot of parents are like the cruise directors of their children's lives. It's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna direct every moment. I'm gonna micromanage every moment of their life so that they're happy because I never want them to feel unhappy. And resilience is actually a huge part of childhood, learning how to be resilient. And a lot of us weren't, weren't necessarily taught that growing up. So it's something that is very important to me. Um, and the thing about marriage too, that's something that my husband and I have, um, I mean, we've had different moments. I think again, it's that the the self-denial, like you have moments when, uh, or seasons when you're going to be spending more time together or maybe less time depending on the season of life. But I look at right now, we have a 13-year-old and a seven-year-old. There is no reason for us to not be spending a lot of time together. There's just no reason. We don't have babies anymore. We don't have little toddlers. We don't have anyone that has to be, that's waking up in the middle of the night, that has to be breastfed, like none of that anymore. So any time that we're like, we if we were to say we don't have time to spend together, that is a big fat lie. <laughs> Because we do. Right. (laughs) Well, and it's, you know, when you talk about like the um, just your happiness or what did you, what were you just saying? Like basically you have to, oh, you have to suffer um, because you have to take care of your child. Like what a weight for your children Mm. to bear. And if we think that they don't realize, 
you know, like I, and listen, I feel like we know when we get to that point, like martyrdom is not cute. It's not fun for anyone. Like that's usually when we are like the mom, we know we don't want to be, but it still happens. And like, I know like when I'm trying to do something or whatever, my kids are like asking me a million times for things. I'm like, oh my gosh, can you just not be right next to me or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like your need is like annoying to me right now. And it's because like, I just, I don't know. I just feel like when we are serving from that kind of a place, it just, it's really not good for anyone. There's a lot of weight that the child has to bear. And I think that then you, again, with the mom guilt, right? So that's a mindset shift for sure. And if we can like transition a little bit, um, we're kind of already there, but just mom guilt yeah, in general. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, um, it's funny. I, I was just talking to somebody today about this because uh, I was actually kind of going back and forth on Instagram about it um, because I actually felt more guilt years ago because I didn't feel mom guilt. So isn't that like, I think that that happens a lot as well um, because I was told that I should feel guilty because I was a quote unquote working mom. I was a mom that owned a business. I worked outside the home. I had a cleaning business again from the time I was pregnant with my daughter and I would get people that would say, and again, I don't blame them that again, this is just conditioning. Like we just all think that this is normal, but they would say things like, um, oh my gosh, isn't it so hard for you to drop your baby off at daycare though? Oh, you must miss her all day. And I would go, I guess, but I love my job. Like I like loved it. And then I would start to feel guilty that I didn't feel guilty. And I went through a period where I started to second guess if I was a good mom, not because of what I was doing, but because of how I felt. Like if I didn't feel guilty, did that mean that I loved my children less? Did that mean that I wasn't as good a mom because I actually enjoyed being out of the house for a few hours a day? Like what did that say about me? Mm-hmm. And the starting mother like a boss and hearing the stories from so many other people really has helped me because I recognize that that's not my actual feeling though. My, uh, that's my ego. And that's, that's someone else putting their feelings on me. They're projecting their fears and their judgments and their life onto me. And it's not, that's not me. I don't, guilt is a feeling of wrongdoing. It's a, it's an understanding of like, I've done wrong and now I want to repent for that. And there are moments where we have to do that in our life. There are moments where we screw up And we do something that we're not proud of. And those are moments that we have to step up, feel the guilt, and do something about it. But this pervasive mom guilt over just living your life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like... I feel like mom guilt now is just like moms just feel guilty just for like breathing. I was just, just like, say they, for like they, literally opening their eyeballs. Yeah. Like, uh, you really like took too long of a breath there. You know, you could have been making your kids a snack while you were doing that. It's like, what? I swear <laughs> that's how crazy it is. Or, um, Allie and I were just talking, Allie Kazaza, which everyone on this podcast I'm sure knows, um, she's one of my best friends. And we were just talking the other day about the difference between like mom guilt and dad guilt again, and how like, d- you know, moms like take too long of a pee in the bathroom. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take too much time to yourself. And like dads could lock themselves in the bathroom for two hours and the kids wouldn't even know they were gone. Right. <laughs> just be like, all of a sudden, where's dad? Like there's, n- it's just different. And, um, and I think that we need to start stepping up and speaking out against it as a society and speaking out against what that does to women 
And I also think that there is a level of, and I know this is a whole other conversation, but I think that there's also, um, we have to, we have to tackle too, that we are making moms feel guilty or we're putting that guilt onto moms that don't have any other choice. And it's easy for me again, as like a privileged woman to sit here and say, well, I get to work because I choose to. There are moms out there who don't have a choice. They don't have a choice about working. They don't have a choice about working two jobs. They were put in that situation um, and through many times no fault of their own, um, things happened in their life that they didn't choose. And so I also think that it's very, it's a very privileged thing to sit and say like, well, this, you really, sh- like m- women should be home to take care of their children. I, I heard that a lot during the Corona stuff that you know, with uh, people being home with their children because their children weren't in school and how much of a privilege that was. And I thought, you're right, it is a privilege because there are women out there right now who don't, they still have to go to work. They still have to work either they're an essential job or they have to work two or three jobs. And um, mom guilt, I think, is is oftentimes, dare I say, a a bit privileged for us to to feel. (laughs) Absolutely. I was listening to, um, oh, who was it? I think it was Rachel Hollis. I was listening to one of her podcast episodes and she was um, in, I don't, I can't even remember, um, Kenya, Uganda, somewhere um, in Africa. And she was just talking with a mom there. And um, uh, and basically she was just talking to like a, let's just call it Kenya. I have no idea. Uh, like a Kenyan mom. And she was talking about like mom guilt and whatever. And, and this Kenyan mom was like, I'm sorry, what? Like your people have guilt for, because the mom is able to go to work and like provide for their family. Like it was so far off. Like <laughs> she was yeah. like, what? How is, I don't, I can't even comprehend that. Like, it's just like America. We just have privilege on top of privilege on top of privilege that you're just like, we, we're almost blind to it. You know? It's yeah. Insane. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so, it is so true. Um, and I just think it's something again that we, that we just need to think more about. Um, and that, we need to understand that when we are forcing our own judgments onto others, um, that we have to understand that their life is being lived in a different way than ours many times in, in a variety of ways. Um, not just from the lens of like white privilege, but even just like, you know, the people that I know in my life who are single moms, well, a single mom is going to be living a very different life than I am as a woman who has a, a husband who is home, you know, at night at by five o'clock and who I can at any given time be like, Hey, can you just stay home today? Cause I have to do this or that because he owns his own business too. Like there are so many different things that I'm able to do, um, uh, because of that. And so for me to sit there and judge another person for say going out on the weekend with her girlfriends, not that I would ever judge anyone for that. Like I don't yeah. do that, but other yeah. people might like, Absolutely. uh, th- putting that on there and saying like, Oh, what kind of mother like goes out? Well, a mother maybe that worked 60 hours this week or that is exhausted from having to now homeschool and work and take the responsibilities of two parents. Like that's the mom. And, you know, it's just, I also think that there, we, we just need to recognize our own judgments of others as being a reflection of judgments of ourselves. Like that's really all they are. Mm-hmm. We're, we're worried. We're so scared of being judged ourselves that we outwardly put that judgment on other people so that we can be like the more righteous in the situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was um, listening to one of your podcast episodes 
And it was it was about mom guilt. Um, and I might not say this right, so feel free if I botch it to just totally, you know, free, hijack it back. But um, basically, you were talking about instead of um, mom guilt, I guess, that feeling that, you know, putting that on ourselves or whatever, that we change the mindset to like taking responsibility for something. So I think mm. you were talking about like, so your business. So instead of feeling guilty for being a working mom, like you just take full responsibility. Like, yes, I am a working mom. And you, and you're proud of that. And I think that, you know, I don't, I feel like it's just really empowering when I listen to that. And maybe you had a different intention, like when you were talking through this, or you may not even remember, I know you've done a million podcast episodes, but like if a dad has to miss a baseball game because they have a late meeting, like no one thinks twice. No. But especially as a business owner, when you're like in charge of your schedule or whatever, like if you have to miss something, I feel like then there's the mom guilt. But instead of being like, oh my gosh, I just chose not to go to their baseball game. I chose to work instead. Instead of this being like this victim mentality of just like, I had no, like if I could have been there, I would have been there. But the truth is you really could have been there. And so instead, let's like step back and take responsibility. And I'm, I'm, I think we kind of mother probably the same. Like my children are one of my biggest joys in life, but they are not, they like the, our world does not revolve around them. And so I would much rather you know, take responsibility of my business and say, Hey buddy, like do great at your game. Like, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to like rock my meeting tonight too. Like Sims team, you know what I mean? Like yeah, own it. And I feel like that can just start to chip away at some of that guilt and sorry, this is long winded, but, and show your children that work is good. Like you're serving people, you know, now if you're always missing every game, that may be a different issue. Um, but I think that just like showing children, like, I don't feel bad for what I do. I'm like serving people and I'm helping our family and like, we can all like co-live doing these different things together. Yeah. And that's, it, it is so true. And it's guilt is different than responsibility. Like there's, it's a bi- there is a big difference between blame and responsibility because guilt is very blame and shame based. That's what it's built into. It's very much like finger pointing. And responsibility isn't about finger pointing. It's about understanding. It's about stepping up. And I kind of feel like responsibility is just about like stepping forward and saying, this is something that that I have chosen to do. And I take on the responsibility. I take on the consequence of it. Um, it versus blame and shame, which then does the opposite. And blame is totally different than responsibility. So yeah, we have to step up and just take responsibility for our choices and say, if what is best for me isn't best for someone else, that's okay because I take responsibility for my part in my life. And I love that I have children who can recite exactly what my like elevator pitch for mother like a boss is because they hear me say it all the time because I do live videos around them when I'm outside when I have the door open to the office like my kids live and breathe mother like a boss as well because they understand that this is what puts food on the table and this is what allows us to go on fun vacations and this is what allows us to buy a new house which we're doing like this is what allows us to do that it I impact people's lives and it impacts their life. And I want them to see that not only because they're getting something for it, like, oh, we get a new house, but then they get to see, wow, what impact could I have on other people's lives? Like if my mom could do that 
and you know she just has a a computer and a microphone in her office what can i do and as the mother of a daughter that is extremely important to me that i show her that if she should choose to be a mother someday which i don't know that she will but if she does that she doesn't have to lay herself down in self-sacrifice, do the lighting herself on fire to keep other people warm. She doesn't have to do that, that she can choose to live her life and be a nurturing mother all at the same time. And I have to say that my kids are lucky that I'm a working mom because I I would not make it as a stay-at-home mom. And all of you stay-at-home moms are goddesses to me. And I love you because you have patience of saints. I could never be a stay-at-home mom because I swear the amount of patience that that takes. Um, I just, I bow down to stay at home so much. <laughs> yes, I, yes, it is. You know, it's funny because there's just this, this weird picture of like stay at home moms just sit yeah. and like watch Netflix and eat bonbons. And I'm yeah, like, not at all. Mentally exhausting, can, like just constant need <laughs> kind yes. of work. It's insane. And, um, and I love, you're when you just talk through the difference between like responsibility and blame and shame and and all these things. And I think that um first step in just mom guilt and kind of chipping away at that issue is just really just saying, like, you know what, I don't receive that. I don't receive yeah. that guilt. I'm a I'm a working mom and it, you know, for you, you are a working mom and you absolutely love it. And you are your children are blessed because of it. Um and I also think um that, you know, I also don't want to set up my future daughter-in-laws to fail. <laughs> I feel like there's so much like in that. I'm like, I don't want my kids to like see me be this perfect person that does all and then have these crazy expectations for my daughter-in-law at some point in time. Like that is not, that's also not the kind of mom that I want to be. Yeah, exactly. That's, I start, I think about that as, um, you know, as a woman who has a son as well. And also just, I have, um, you know, I have brothers and just, I don't want, I don't want other women to feel that the need to live up to an expectation that I have set. I want them to learn how to live up to their own expectations and have their own expectations of what motherhood looks like. And there also is a lot of guilt for, for stay at home moms. Like I hear that all the time. Like, well, I'm not contributing to my household because they're not working, you know, they're not working and making a paycheck. They're working. Like every mom is a working mom. (laughs) Every mother out there is a working mother. And so there's the guilt on that. It's like, you can't win. You know, no matter what you do, there will be someone there who doesn't agree with your choices and you have to decide what your values are and decide if what you're doing is living up to your values. And if they are, then that's it. Then you can, you can sleep, you know, really peacefully at night knowing I'm living up to my values. If you're not, then you can start to shift it. Then you can start to say, you know what? This isn't really my value. I was doing it because someone else thought I should, and now I'm going to shift it. Um, but you have to choose what's right for you. Oh, absolutely. And like you've said multiple times, like our kids are exactly the kids that we're meant to have. And we are exactly the mom, whether it be working, stay at home, you know, whatever that we're meant to have. And so, you know, I just, I absolutely love, um, I love just your mission of like, okay, there's still some responsibility here that we need to take as mothers and homemakers and um, women just in general, but also like it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I love that you're fighting perfectionism and just the mom guild and just kind of helping us all realize like so, so many things. And so where can we find you? Um, like just post uh, post podcast. Um, I know that I follow you on Instagram and if, and everybody freaking needs to, because all of your quote cards, I can like screenshot them all day long. <laughs> If you want some like truth bombs pretty much every other day, that is that is the place to find you at. 
Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Instagram is definitely the place I hang out for social media the most. Um, so it's just at Mother Like a Boss on Instagram. And then uh, really the the podcast, which you can find on all the podcast places. If you're listening to this, then you know how to listen to podcasts and you can pretty much find it. Um, but then uh, motherlikeaboss.com is my website and that's where all the stuff is. So if you want to, we have free trainings and we have more resources and we have our programs and courses and um, all that kind of stuff is at the website um, and you can just go there. It's motherlikeaboss.com. Awesome. And yes, you have like cleaning courses, you have um, mindset courses. Uh, you just came out with your journal, right? Yes. Can yeah. you talk about that really quick? Because I feel like that really goes hand in hand with just this whole mindset issue that we're having and being able to like expose the truth of who we are and what kind of mother we want to be and what society has kind of been putting on us. Yeah. So we, I created a journal because journaling is something that comes up in our in our courses and what I talk about, because I'm, I'm a huge advocate for journaling, um, especially for moms, um, just because I feel like our minds are inundated with stuff all day long. And it's a really good place to just write it all down and get it out. Um, and I, I've been saying that, uh, it's a gross analogy, but it's true that a journal is kind of like a plunger for your mind because all of these negative thoughts and beliefs, um, they just kind of get clumped together and they they clog up your they clog up your mind. And so a journal kind of comes in and it just unclogs it. It just kind of helps to like loosen all of that up. A lot of times we don't know what we're even thinking. We just know that it's not helpful and a journal really helps. So we created a journal with over 200 prompts. So it's all split up uh, by category. So we talk about motherhood and mindset and boundaries and money and future self and past self and goals and relationships and marriage and all those all those things. All the and things. they're prompts <laughs> written for you. So then you don't have to, because that's the number one problem that people have with journaling is they're like, I don't know what to write about, which I get. Because staring at a blank piece of paper after a long day or at the beginning of a long day is daunting. So we've written the prompts out for you. It's just a, a great place to get started um, with journaling. And if you're interested, you can go to motherlikeaboss.com forward slash journal to check it out. Simple enough. Awesome. Yes. All right, guys. Well, make sure you guys go check out Kendra at Mother Like a Boss and we will talk to you next week. Man, you guys, I could talk to her all day. <laughs> perfectionism, this hot mess mom culture we live in, mom guilt, you know, just so much good stuff. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today as much as I did and just felt like it really resonated with you in some way. You know, I feel like the world just needs more of these honest conversations between women and moms so that we can just truly understand each other and different perspectives and, you know, not wear some, I don't know, this again, hot mess mom culture like tells us that we should be or tells us how we should be feeling or dressing or whatever, right? And like conversations like the one I just had with Kendra where she talked about feeling guilty that she didn't have mom guilt, you know, for focusing on her business or the one last week with Dr. Heather Rhodes on low libido and stress and exhaustion. I mean, obviously not every conversation should be public, but I think there's power in shining a light on some of these struggles on a platform where everyone can hear. So just thank you guys for being here. You know, like if you're if you're at home and you have not gotten out of the house because you are just like being tackled by a million little ones, like I see you, been there, right? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt for that one. Um, 
still kind of in there. So, you know, if you're a working mom and you are out at work and you are just feeling like, yes, I love my job. Like, I love my babies, but I love my job and I don't feel bad about that. Good. Like, run with that. Good. <laughs> you shouldn't feel guilty, right? If you're a stay-at-home mom and you have no desire to work and you don't feel guilty about that, great. Like, what? I, I, don't, I don't even understand. Like, mom guilt pisses me off so bad sometimes because, like, why? It's like we can't be happy anywhere, right? Like, <laughs> it literally is just there to, like let us not or have us not be like fully present with where we're at because we're always like feeling like we should be doing something different tune in y'all next week as we dive into a really great money mindset episode so many women struggle with balancing their finances and men but you know I talk to women so we invest countless of hours y'all going through the motions to create a budget or implement new strategies to stay on track with spending but there is a constant um friction. We all feel as we fight this uphill battle towards getting out of debt. And and I've got plenty of episodes on that. I have my financial freedom journey, our journey to be debt free. Okay. So I've been there. And the reason that there's so much friction is because there are deeply rooted foundational beliefs around money that have developed throughout your childhood, everyone's. And they have carried into adulthood and they are just there subconsciously and they impact the way you approach getting out of debt, period. So next week, we are going to dive into how to understand, how to identify and overcome some of these money blocks so that you can make a real change and start thinking differently about money. So if you have been on this podcast for a minute, then you know that I am super passionate about all things finances. It honestly might be like my favorite of all five topics to talk about. And so I am actually wrapping up the final touches on an amazing and deep money mindset course for you. And it's called Entrusted with Her Finances. And it's going to be launching so, so soon, you guys. So keep your eyes out for that. Okay. All right. I love you and I appreciate you. And I am so excited to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.